Lines. And here's your host, Gary Cachulio. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. Before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, Ms. Aida, author, psychic, spellcaster, root worker, and witch. And you can find her at MsAida.com, M-I-S-S-A-I-D-A.com. This episode is also being sponsored by Ginger Glasser. You can find her at tarotbyginger.com. She is a tarot reader, evidential medium, and psychic. And that's at tarotbyginger.com. And also Alan Questel. And you can find Alan at uncommonsensing.com. And you can find his new book on Amazon, which is called Intentional Acts of Kindness. And I highly recommend it. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Candice Sanderson. Or Candy, whatever you like to be called. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> You're welcome. It's good to be back. <laughs> so, you know, um, I figured we would talk about the, the crystalline grid. We've talked a little bit about it before, you know, but I've been doing some other reading and other episodes and and just thinking more about this particular topic, topic from the idea of everything being sacred geometry and things like that. And, um, it, you know, because it kind of does make sense to me. Um, and I'm not really sure. Like, I know, I know how you had your, you know, you were driving and you saw the tree and how you had your awakening and things like that. But I'm not exactly sure what brought you into this whole idea of the crystalline grid. <laughs> you know, Gary, I'm not sure either. This has been how my experiences have happened. For those who don't know me, you know, I'm a psychologist. I'm driving to work one day and all of a sudden my world just opens up and I start channeling messages. And for those who have read, especially my first book, there are so many different topics. One is this crystalline grid. Mm -hmm. And I actually have a, um, a new series of books where I'm highlighting some chapters and I have a book called, it's from the reluctant, from the reluctant messenger series. And it's called the crystalline grid. And I mean, like just the, um, ebook is only like three bucks, but mm -hmm. I go specifically in that. And then I also kind of updated it, but let me tell you how it happened. I started channeling in August, late August of 2013. A year later, September 2014, I am going to a meditation at a local Unity Church, and all of a sudden, I drop into this vision. Now, this time, visions are just, you know, I'm just learning to embrace this as not being like crazy, mm -hmm. because I'm getting so much validation about it. But anyway, let me kind of shorten this. During this meditation, or before the meditation started, and it was held by a, a medical doctor who was going to take us through this beautiful meditation, I saw this image of a body lying on a slab. Okay, mm -hmm. so it, it, and it was very clinical. It looked like maybe an autopsy. And in this vision, I get closer and it's like, oh my God, <laughs> that's me. So, and I knew I wasn't dead, but I saw this image of a flower coming out of my chest and then dropping down and coming back into my heart from below. And it kept growing and growing until it became a Taurus field. Then it turned this milky white crystalline color. So what I had just done without knowing it was mm -hmm. observing a Chris, a personal crystalline grid around me. This was like totally new. I had no idea what this was, but this was my first step in knowing anything about a crystalline grid. Then a few days later, as I'm driving to work, I get this message about a crystalline grid that surrounds Earth. And Gary, I don't know, it was just, it was so bizarre. Mm -hmm. I had never 
heard of anything like that before. Hmm. But I, I started getting these messages. Uh, so the way this usually works for me or what it did back then is I would hit record on my iPhone as I would drive to work and I would just record what I received. Well, as soon as I got to work, I thought, you know what? I'm not going to wait and research this later because when I get a new topic, I don't want to search it because I know, you know, whatever I search might change or taint or make me think mm -hmm. any future messages that I've, I've just made this up because it's something that I've, I've read. But it's like, I got to stop. I got to do this. So I searched Christian Earth Grid and got like, I don't know, 13 million hits. And I thought, okay, apparently there is something called an earth grid that people knew about. It just wasn't with, you know, uh, it wasn't on my radar for sure. Mm -hmm. That's interesting because you, know, you have like two different grids that you've seen. You've, you've seen these, the, the personal aura, energy field type of grid and then the planetary yeah. grid. Yeah. And they're, they're connected. Um, they, they kind of work alike uh, in that, all right, if you think about our energy field, most people mm -hmm. see that or can sense it as like an egg-shaped field around us. So that's our personal grid, and it serves two purposes. What I do, for example, Gary, especially before I go out in public, mm -hmm. is I protect my field. So I will imagine like a bubble of energy around me. And what the, and what I'm doing is really um, empowering that personal grid that I have. And it not only protects me from incoming energy, mm -hmm. it also seals my personal energy. It keeps it in place. So it keeps me from literally being drained when I run into people and they talk to me and like, I, maybe I don't want to talk to them or hear what they have to say. And, you know, you've been in those conversations oh, yeah. <laughs> where you're like, oh, no. Well, when you put that bubble around you and you're really empowering your personal grid, you're protected from that, but you keep your energy intact. Well, it's the same way with this crystalline earth grid. As this grid surrounds our earth, mm -hmm. it's keeping our energies on earth safe and secure, but it's also protecting us from outside influences in the cosmos. So with that, though, does that mean that humans can do whatever we want on this earth and our, this grid is going to protect us? Or, and does it also mean, like, like obviously there's a personal grid and an earth grid. There has to be a galactic grid, too. Oh, I'm sure that there is. I have not personally witnessed that yet, but this earth grid that we have is actually empowered and fed by the cosmos. Mm -hmm. So there are star beings, star systems, non-human intelligences that are actually helping to keep this grid in place. Just like from within, you know, on the earth side of it, we are also helping to keep it vibrant, to keep it functional. Mm -hmm. The, the grid itself is, from what my messengers have told me, is that it's actually alive. So it is made of living, vibrant, vibrant energy. Makes sense. So when you think of it as something that's actually alive, then to me, it makes it easier to relate to. Now, as humans, we can connect to that grid. And this is how a lot of psychics work. They may not realize it, but we, the, my messengers have told me that we connect to the earth grid through our grid through another, through a cord that is actually crystalline. It too is alive. And then they told me this is what's often referred to as the silver cord. Right. Well, travel. Yeah, yeah, and and this is growing up in Western Kentucky. I'm now a like that's the middle of the Bible Belt, but um, I'm now a recovering Baptist. But I remember hearing about the silver cord, and once that silver cord from the Bible 
once it's severed, then it's like, okay, you're dead, you're gone, you've gone to heaven. But the messengers say that silver cord attaches to different junctures on the earth grid and that the earth grid is static. It's, it's, I mean, it's alive and it, you know, kind of moves, but the earth is rotating while this pretty much stays in place. So when you back up and you can actually see like from an out of body perspective, you can see the connections. They leave each person's heart. They go and they connect to a specific place on the grid. As the grid moves, then that keeps readjusting from the personal perspective in order to maintain a connection. Mm. And then when you look at the grid and you look at the junctures, between the junctures of the grid, just think of it as a framework, there is a membrane. And this membrane is what the messengers have told me is called the veil. And we can pierce that veil through non-ordinary means, which means in an out-of-body state or if you're astral projecting or if you're in just a very significant meditative state or if you're dreaming. That's how we can move through the interface, through that beautiful membrane that's protecting us and onto the other side to connect. Mm. So... What do you think the grid is actually made of? Do you think it's a frequency? Do you think it's um, light? Do you think it's just some kind of... Oh, we don't know what consciousness is, so that's a tough one. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think it actually might be? Um, I think it's made of a substance, and I'm putting air quotes here because <laughs> substance means it's 3D. It's like, no. But it's something that we don't know what it is, and I don't think we have the capability of understanding it. But there are some words that the messengers have given me to help me try to understand it. First of all, they say it is alive. Okay, It is vibrant. They say it is made out of pure energy. So obviously it, it has vibrations and energies and frequencies. They also tell me that it is magnetic in nature. So it's constantly drawing other energy systems into its field. And it is just that beautiful connector between Earth and the cosmos. Um, you have the grid mm -hmm. on either side of it. So from the grid's framework <clears throat> above, like toward the cosmos, you have what's what they call an interface. Same thing as below. You've got the grid, and between the grid and the earth, you have an interface. And it's within that interface, when we are trying to connect with the grid, or the star systems trying to connect with us, they go through the same thing. This interface is where you see energy and vibrational matches. Now, I don't know of anything really like that on Earth, but when I see this in my mind's eye, you know those plasma balls mm -hmm. at science stops, you know, sh shops? Yep, you put your hand. Oh, aren't they so cool? Yeah. But you put your hand on them, and then the like this electricity, it looks like little lightning strikes, will follow your hand. Well, that's pretty much the way I see how the interface works. Once we put our intentions up to the grid and it hits that interface, then that interface, which is also alive and is also vibrant, helps make energy matches that are similar. So if I am trying to connect with someone on the other side of the earth or maybe next door and I want to connect with them psychically, through the heart space, I set my intention. It goes into that interface. And then if we find that vibrational match to my neighbor or maybe someone who's passed away. But once you make that energy match, you are then connected. Mm -hmm. 
I kind of the way I sometimes view it as um, it's like the fabric which are realities being projected onto. You know, it's the medium which is painting this reality. You know, and, like, and it's like the, the actual projection of seems to. I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know if we're creating it or something else is creating it. It's weird. I, that's that's a really good description because when you say it's a projection, you know, what flashes in my mind is you go to a movie and you see this big mm-hmm. uh, projection of life, you know, the way that somebody wrote it. But we are in our dense physical bodies we are so used to using only our five physical senses. Yeah. When you extend outward, your senses blend. And it is so difficult because the, the energy is so subtle. It's so difficult to put words mm-hmm. to what you actually see and what you actually witness. So having it described as a projection is ideal that's that makes perfect sense gary yeah. it really uh, it's just a description though like, like, like that's all we really have to work with, with these things like analogies of things that we do understand to try to yeah. describe things that we don't completely understand so obviously there's always going to be some area where we're wrong because because we don't understand all uh, understand that we're just using what we the limited point of view you know and also i think it we're living in a three-dimensional environment, which makes it even more difficult to really visualize. Because sometimes I find it difficult just to visualize anything in a three-dimensional form. I can see things in my mind in a two-dimensional way, but a three-dimensional is a bit harder. Right, because it's more subtle. And then, it, it you know, it goes back to then what do we do with this information? We may be in a state where we are experiencing something that is extraordinary and we know it at the time. And a lot of people might just notice this during a really interesting dream, or maybe you're dreaming you're out flying in the cosmos. Mm -hmm. During the dream, it all makes sense and you know you're there and it's just great. You come back and then you try to describe it. First of all, we don't have the language for it. We can attempt to describe it, but unless you've actually been there, there are no words. The words come, sometimes they come close, (laughs) but actually being there and being part of it is just, it's just remarkable. I mean, Mm -hmm. it it really is. Yeah, yeah. there's nothing like the direct experience, you know. And that's one thing I hope the show does, gives people tools to, go out and research and have direct experiences with their consciousness or, or whatever this reality is to explore it a little bit more than, you know, getting up every day, brushing your teeth, going to work, coming home, feeding the dog, going to bed. <laughs> I'm the stuff. I know. That is so true. You know, before I had my spontaneous opening, I was one of those people. As a psychologist, I only believed what my five senses measured. If I couldn't see it, smell it, taste it, feel it, hear it, it didn't exist. And for those who would tell me that something else existed, I chalked that up to fantasy. Maybe it was just, maybe it was a delusion. You know, mm-hmm. maybe it was something pathology, you know, pathological. Or, you know, maybe it was just, you know, what kids do, they fantasize. But then once I became a traveler and I became one of them, I realized, oh my goodness, there is so much more to life than what our physical senses measure. Now, Gary, in one of my um, YouTube channels, it's just the Reluctant Messenger, I try to show people how they can do this too. Mm-hmm. Um, we could, We all... Project astrally, you know, whether it's during a dream, uh, but people come back and they say, yeah, yeah, okay, you can dream, but I can't really do that. Well, actually, you can. And the first thing to notice is your observer. Now, I have an observer that is with me all the time, and she likes to just kind of chatter all day long. 
and she she's the first to notice if I do something wrong. Uh, if I'm walking down the street and I trip, she says, oh, did you see that? Or oh, you are such a klutz. I mean, it's always good natured. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she'll say, oh, I hope no one else saw that. So everyone knows who their observer is. So when that happens to you, I, I ask your audience, just pause. Think about this. Who is that? making the commentary sometimes they're running commentary on you and your behavior yeah it's not it's not you think about it this is something that is outside of you so what you've done once you notice that you have your observer i tell people embrace it then hit pause and realize okay you have just stepped outside of yourself because many of us think that we are just our physical bodies, and, and that's a very limiting, um, actually, it's a particle state. So your awareness is deep inside your body. But once you step into the role of observer, there's a part of your awareness that has stepped into your energy field. So much so that he or she can say, well, what'd you do that for? Or, oh, yeah, you really look good today. So embrace that then you can use that state to go even farther. Like right now, when I have my out-of-body experiences, my observer is there. You know, I kind of push her off to the side because I don't really want her to be a gatekeeper. But she is what tethers me back to the 3D. So she she serves a purpose. If I go out and I'm having, um, you know, great time in the cosmos Mm -hmm. dancing among the stars or you know whatever the situation is i can always find my observer i bookmark where she is and she brings me right back but we can all learn to step beyond the physical and start seeing life a little differently than what we have before that's definitely true it gives us that broader perspective of, of more interconnectedness you know, I find that too. Like, if I, I, can, I can step back into the role of the observer and see, you know, at least some of the pieces that things of how things fit together, or yeah. I can even look at things like a closer view, like under like a microscopic view kind of idea yes. too, and realize like, oh, there's really nothing there. Like, matter doesn't really exist. So this is all some kind of weird illusion. I think. Right. Right. And what I love about being in the observer or maybe even going farther, you do have that ability to change your perspective. You can, um, like for people that are healers, for example, mm-hmm. people that do Reiki or energy healing, you can get into that observer perspective. And if you're working with someone who has a shoulder that hurts, for example, you can drill down to such a minute level where you're actually looking at the nerve endings where the pain is emanating. And then you can work on those nerve endings. (laughs) You can also zoom back. And as you zoom back, you can see the larger perspective. Mm -hmm. You can find out, well, actually, you, you are stepping into a field of unlimited knowledge. Because the beauty of having like an out-of-body experience, Gary, is when you step in the field and the farther away that you go, you no longer are dealing with time like we do in the 3D. Oh, yeah. It's completely different. If there's even time. Like to me, I've had my near-death experience. It really seems like there was just no time. I mean, it could have been... Just at such a different speed that it felt that way, but it's, it's different. Yeah, yeah. And the messengers have told me, let me just go into this like real quickly. But the messengers have told me how time works. I used to think of time as being a straight line from point A to point B, you know, one direction only. But the messengers have told me that, no, time is like a curvy sine wave. Mm-hmm. So point A to point B isn't such a direct path. It curves. <laughs> but then when you look at who we are, 
most of us think that we are our physical body and our awareness stays within our physical body. So when we go to point A to point B, imagine a little dot traveling along that line. Okay. But once we learn to expand, when we expand from a particle state into a full, you know, first you want to expand and you're going to be your observer. But the farther you expand, now look at that expansion on top of the timeline. And we realize the farther we expand, the more that timeline is within our awareness. And that's why we can revisit in an expanded state. We can revisit the past. You know, maybe a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, if you're really expanded, you can go back thousands of years. Mm -hmm. You can do the same thing as far as the future. Now, that, that gets a little tricky because the future really isn't set in stone. No, it's, but no, you can, it's probabilities you know, or possibilities, really, not probabilities. Exactly. You then see this huge array of possibilities and you can nudge yourself into the direction of a possibility yeah. that you want. <laughs> it's tricky. You can do it though from it the is. observer point of view. You can can push yourself into those possibilities. I, I totally yes. That is something crazy too. That I'll mean, say six months ago I would have been like, no way. Uh, -uh. but <clears throat> I don't know. Things just like my, my perception has shifted over the last six months or so. So that's interesting. What what's happened in the last six months? Anything that you can pinpoint? Or is it just cumulative? Um, I mean, I had some really rough personal things happen that, that really pushed me to a bizarre point of desperation, you mm -hmm. know? And I don't know, it's kind of, I reached out to the universe for help. I, I, I finally gave in. You know, and you know me, you've known me for a while. I've always been kind of skeptical yeah. about the spirit guides and the ancestors and, 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 and these beings outside of us looking after us you know i've always been i've been a skeptic of it but yeah. in this moment of desperation i was like god you know if you're there do something help me out here show me the way and wow. um and it worked i mean i was like wow this is <sighs> unbelievable and, and since then too you know i've been it's been easier for me to just kind of step back to the back and forth from just my direct daily interacting with reality to the role of an observer. Well, okay. Let me, let me say a few things right here, Gary, as you're telling me what, you know, you went through something, you just had to let go and you had to allow. And as you were telling me that I had cold chills everywhere, cold chills have always been a key indicator for me, even before I opened that, I need to pay attention. Someone is really speaking the truth. But, you know, and I'm trying to keep my role as a psychologist because I'm retired now. Keep that out of, <laughs> out of here. But what I see happening is not unusual for a lot of people. You are pushed and pushed. You know, life gets at us and it eats at us. And we're just like sometimes just miserable. And you get to the point where I can't do this anymore. I need help. And what you do is you give up and you, you give up on you being the one who has to take care of this and you break through and you allow a greater force. Now, whether that's God, whether that's angels, whether it's your higher self, but you're allowing something greater than you to come in and help you. So you did that. Now, you have stepped into that field. You had your observer before, but maybe what you've done now is you've actually stepped a little farther and you have tasted these frequencies that you really didn't have before. Yeah. And now they, they have become part of who you are and part of your makeup. You know, when people have these marvelous dreams at night, they might say, you know, doesn't matter. You know, I don't remember them. But once we start experiencing these divine states of awareness, even if it's in our dreams and we don't remember them, 
we, our energy body is still being introduced to new frequencies. Mm -hmm. And this is where it's so important to keep your heart open and look for the good. And as more of those higher vibrational frequencies come into you, you'll notice that your life will change in ways that if, you know, you first say, Oh, hmm, interesting. Wonder if that's related to this or whatever. It is because this is how we grow spiritually. And this is part of the, the transformation, the enlightenment, if you will, that we're going through as humans and as our earth is going through as well, too. So good for you, Gary. This is great. <laughs> yes. This <laughs> is the way to ride. <laughs> you have a ride. This is great. <laughs> it's a ride. It's been quite a ride. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I don't think I will ever arrive anywhere. <laughs> You're on the right track. <laughs> I think things are way more fluid than that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things I think when you first started talking, you know, about your background, and that all started happening around 2013, 2014. Yes. I'm going to say like 80% of the people that I've interviewed, their journey has all started around that same time. Do you think that is a result of 2012? You know, that it's, it's so interesting that you say that because I was watching a video yesterday of someone who was being interviewed, um, because of their unusual brainwave patterns and they're very spiritual. And I, as I listened to him, he started talking about he had this opening where all of a sudden in like August or September of 2013, things changed for him. And I thought, Oh my gosh, that's exactly what happened with me. You know, I felt the same way. I mean, mine was August 28th, 2013. But I've gotten messages in the past about that whole 2012, you know, people were thinking, you know, the earth is going to end, things are going to happen. And my messengers have told me that there was a shift then. Now, a little bit of background, you know, the earth was supposed to end or whatever on December 21st, 2012. I mean, you know, there was even a movie about it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, oh, this is awful. Well, my first thought was because I, you know, I was still working at the time. And my thought was, oh, crap. That's just my luck. Because December 21st, my birthday, 2012 was the day <laughs> that I could start receiving social security. And I thought, just my luck. The world is going to. But the messengers have told me that that really was a tipping point. And there was a choice that the earth had being Gaia, which is the spirit of mother earth. Yeah. And the choice was to continue on the path toward enlightenment. Now it's so easy to look at our world today and look at the people in politics and, you know, it's like, Oh, there, this is happening. That's happening. And to think maybe we did not take that path, but this is all part of a relatively rapidly occurring learning curve that we are on. And this is why people like me, you know, a psychologist who is so pragmatic, this is why all of a sudden I find myself channeling because as Mother Earth is going through this transition, those veils that used to really protect us and mm -hmm. keep us from knowing anything, those veils are naturally thinning, allowing us to transverse them when we hadn't before. But it's interesting that you've seen other people come on your show and, and have the same timeline. Including, if I think about myself, like, well, what happened to me at that time? I would say around 2014, 2015, in, in that area is when I really started meditating a lot. I started, you know, going to Buddhist temples and, and monasteries and, you know, I really started exploring my consciousness and my thoughts at that time. So, I mean, I experienced something too, 
they don't really become aware of it until, you know, hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? I mean, you don't really see it until you can look back at it and, get to, and really compare, you know, previously and what happens afterwards. But when you're in it, you don't really realize that you're in, in it in some type of paradigm shift because you have nothing to compare it to. Right. And once again, you don't have the words for it. When I was driving to work that morning and all of a sudden this message comes to me, my first thought was, what is this? I mean, because I knew it wasn't from me. I mean, it was a wonderful message. It was about a flower, you know, being grounded and reaching up toward, you know, toward source. And then it produces, uh, when this plant does this, it produces a flower. And then the message said, humans are flowers, so hyphenated Mm -hmm. flowers, flowers of energy. And, you know, if they're connected, then, you know, they can produce wonderful things. And I'm thinking, this is so pretty. I wish I'd thought of it. And then I thought, oh, what is this? This is kind of weird. So what I did, because I really didn't have a way to understand it, is I denied it. Oh, let's just forget this. So when we don't have the experience, our, our egos are saying, what's going on? How do I interpret this? But what I've learned to do is just let go and just observe because that observer now I know is, you know, I've already stepped into the field, but let that observer just document everything that you have, every experience, what you feel, what you see, what you think. And then later you can go back and look at that. Then over time, you start building that vocabulary and you see, oh, this is how I am now versus what I was like a month ago, two years ago, five years ago. I mean, I look at myself now, Gary, it's like I am not even related to who that woman was before <laughs> I had this opening. Is it, does it bother you a little bit? Though? Like, do you ever like look back and like, wow, I almost like miss my old self in a weird way? No, no, no because but my old self was, okay, well, I'm still this way, you know, get places really early. But my old self was what, you know, let's make your list. What are you going to do today? Make sure everything is checked off and then you can add more things to the list and then you accomplish it. And it's like, oh, I'm just doing so great here. I marked everything off my to-do list instead of realizing that there is so much more to life than checking items off a to-do list. And once you can step into that field where everything is connected, then you start realizing what's important. You realize that when you see someone who's in pain, even if it's someone you don't know, someone you passed on the street who fell down, Send them energy, send them love through your heart. That will help them. It's using those skills and those senses that we have that cannot be measured by our five physical senses. Use that to uplift everything around you. And that helps not only with our own evolution as humanity, but it helps with the evolution of our planet. And back then, I never gave two cents worth about the evolution of our planet because I didn't think of her as a living being, nor did I think that I, as a single one person, could do anything. You know, I've talked about the silent guru All of us can be silent gurus. And I always wondered, like, why did I have this opening? You know, I I, I didn't believe in this kind of stuff. I knew nothing about it. So why did they come to me? I mean, I could see if if I was a guru or someone who really studied Eastern philosophy, you know, why why they would have that opening, but not me. And then I realized you can, by just being a cog in the wheel, you hold such an important space for the evolution of all of us. Just by going through life with a smile on your face, 
and sending love to other people, we end up changing the frequency of our entire planet. So we don't have to be famous authors or great gurus or anything like that. Each person has a role to play. And although we might just have this little minute role, I mean, take a look at a great big machine. What happens if you just reach in and pull out one of those cogs or one of those screws? Well, the whole machine breaks down. We are all part of the whole. And we have a very important... We're collective, (laughs) really. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's not really one person, one individual that's going to change all this energy. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. So, so what do you think? <clears throat> like when you, like I know for me sometimes, like when you like you talked about feeling the energy in your heart center and flowing through. Yeah. Does that also come with for you with like this extra sensitivity where things just feel more raw and more intense for you? When you step beyond the physical. And the messengers have always told me it's through the heart. That heart is that portal to the field state. And uh, just as I started talking about, you know, our mm-hmm. episode, when I talked about this flower coming out of my heart, this plant, it's that heart space that is so instrumental in us stepping into a more subtle field that affects us. So now that I'm in that field so much of the time, but I I hesitate to say the downside, but I can see how people might interpret that. The more I'm in that field, I come back and I am very sensitive. So I am sensitive to energy that comes toward me that's not positive. Um, I'm very, very comfortable, Gary, to stay inside my apartment and, and, you know, go to the grocery store when I need to, but go to the mall just for fun. No, no, because I feel so much more energy around me. I have to put those protections there because I do find that I am very sensitive, but I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. All right. It takes getting used to (laughs) It does. It does. But that's why actually building that bubble around you can be so effective. Mm-hmm. You know, the messengers gave me a formula, TEA, thoughts, energy, action. Thoughts create energy and your energy will create the action. So think about a bubble of energy around you. You may not believe it works, but do it anyway. So having your thoughts of, okay, I'm enclosed in this bubble of energy, you can make it stronger, put mirrors on the outside so someone looking at you will only see themselves. So once you have the thought, the T, T-E-A, then the energy, the universe does the work for you to put that bubble of light around you. And then the action is you've got a bubble of light, you've got protection. And it's so easy to do. And then you realize, I mean, go out to the mall one day and walk around without protection or whatever place might be a little anxiety provoking for you. (laughs) Then the next day, do the same thing, but put a bubble of energy around you. Because once again, that bubble of energy not only protects you from outside influences like the crystalline earth grid Mm -hmm. it keeps your energy field intact what does that mean that means all your personal energy that you woke up with after your second cup of coffee you still have it and it it, (laughs) it helps you that's one of those things the power of, of of that visualizing you know it's like for a long time, I totally missed the point that we're actually co-creators in reality. So yes, that's why that works because we're co-creating in in reality. Right, because the the future isn't a week from now, a month from now. It's a nanosecond from now, and as we said earlier, it's these possibilities of what direction we want to go or will choose to go. 
and it's driven by our energy field. So as we keep a clear energy field and an energy field with positive emotions, then we automatically, because remember, you know, I said that the grid, the earth mm-hmm. grill, for example, uh, the earth grid is magnetic. Then, and think of law of attraction. We are then drawn to a more positive possibility. Now, you know, I know this sounds so woo-woo, and, you know, years ago before I opened, I would think this is just kind of nuts, but it actually is not woo-woo. No, it's bad. Exactly. (laughs) Bingo. Gary, that's exactly right. I now see the world through the lens of energy. I mean, remember Nikola Tesla. Mm -hmm. If you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. So get rid of the woo-woo and think in terms of shifting your energy field for a more positive outcome. It works. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess we forget that thoughts are actual energy, that imagination is an energy. It is a creative force. It has actual power to it. (laughs) Yes. When the messengers told me, T-E-A, thoughts, energy, energy, action. action. No, that's how our thoughts work. That's how we produce something. Well, even think of, you know, Thomas Edison, when he invented the, you know, the light bulb, it Mm -hmm. all started with the thought. And then as he's working on it, you know, let the world help you manifest before you get your action with you. You you know, when you had your opening or when things changed, like in the last six months, your thoughts were finally, I give up. I need some help. This is too much for me. So by giving up, what you're doing is you're pushing that ego aside that says, I can do it all. I don't need help. I can do this all by myself. Then you are allowing guidance and those subtler frequencies to come in to, what was your thought? Help. They created the energy around you. And the action is you are seeing things differently. Yeah. It, or, I mean, like like the pragmatic self, you think, all right, well, I just, I worry so much that I short-circuited out part of my brain and now I'm just nuts. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> It's easy to kind of fall into that pragmatic part still. Well, I mean, think of it. Which isn't isn't pragmatic at all. Yeah. Well, as a psychologist, you know, my whole life is pragmatic. I was, you know, I analyzed anything and everything. Someone would speak to me. It's like, hmm, did they really mean that? Why did they say that this way? And, you know, it's like, let it go. Let it go. And I mean, think about animals. Mm-hmm. They have such beautiful instincts. You know, a squirrel doesn't get out the plan or just say, it's so time to hide nuts for the winter. A bear doesn't look and say, oh, we're going to hibernate soon. They just do it. We were built that way. When we were born, we didn't have language. So we, you know, if we were hungry, we cried. You, we just, We just lived moment by moment. Now, when a child first starts learning language, as parents, we're saying, oh, this is great because now they can tell us what they need, what they want. And it is great to have language. It really is. But what happens is our energy center, no longer being heart energy center, moves to the brain and we become analytical. We get programmed. That's where the programming starts. The programming starts there and it's, you know, it's okay to use your brain. The brain is something that's wonderful, but not to lose connection to the heart. And what the messengers have told me so many times is move that energy back down to the heart because that is where truth with the capital T lies. That, and I have found that if I go through life through the energy of the heart, things are just richer. They, you know, I, I can take a different perspective that I could not see before 
if I was in my analytical brain. So it was a big shift for me, but you know, I'm staying here. <laughs> and, you know, I, I might have to be real sensitive at times and whatever, but I don't care. This is, this is great. And it's also a more natural way for us. I mean, when, when we are, you know, when, um, in, in utero, those heart cells form before they become the brain. That heart is the center of who we are and our connections elsewhere. Only when we allow ourselves to think that we are our physical bodies and our brain do we get sidetracked. <laughs> it's true. That's definitely true. So what is it you what is it you think that like you and I are doing right now? Like like what is the purpose of the books? the podcast, the message, the YouTube channel. Well, what is it we're creating? <laughs> we are creating a door for those that are ready to maybe open that door and look through. We are creating an opportunity for those who are ready to have something that will allow them to look at life differently. I mean, when I wrote my book, my messengers said, when you write the book, or my first book, I think I have seven already, but it's like, I'm not going to write a book. And they, and it's like, no, you're going to write a book. And that's why they gave me the title, The Reluctant Messenger. It's like, who? I'm not here to show people or to tell people. And I'm not. I am here to share my experience. And my book's done well. Like the first year it sold over 10,000 copies. But I didn't write it to make money. I didn't write it to sell copies. I wrote it maybe just for one person. You know, somebody I don't know, somebody in Australia who says, I read that book and it got me thinking. So we are just offering opportunities for a person will probably never know who tuned into your podcast, who picked up one of my books, and who said, wait a minute, I can relate to that. Maybe I can do things differently, but for whatever reason, they needed to find us in order to start thinking out of the box and realizing we are more than our physical bodies and there's much more to life than drilling down and living in that day by day world of, for me at least, <laughs> list making and checking off the to-do list. Do you a hundred percent trust the universe or do you still have moments of doubt and fear? I can't say that I have fear. And I can't really say that I have doubt. But when it comes to trusting, you know, I, I know many people have said there are dark forces out there. I've been very lucky. I have rarely had any kind of situation that would happen where, <clears throat> excuse me, where I would know this is not from the light or this is not good. So what I do is I use my heart for discernment. So if something comes to me, a, a situation, and it you know sounds great or it looks great, I automatically tune into my heart. If if my if something doesn't feel right, that's where the trust comes in, and it's like no, I'm going to pass on this, or no, I'm going to go in a different direction regardless of what it is. So, yes, I do trust, but I'm not necessarily trusting everything I do or everything I see mm -hmm. or hear. It's knowing to trust that connection that my heart gives me to a field that's greater than myself. You know, your heart will never lead, lead you astray. So learning to trust the intuition of your heart because that has never gone wrong for me. Hmm. I'm not there yet. 
But that's okay. That's okay. It's taken me, I mean, I, I realized just, you know, last month, I passed my 10-year ten year anniversary of channeling. It was, you know, August 28th, 2013. And I look at where I am 10 years later, and it's like, I am not nearly, I'm not even related to that woman I was back then. I can't imagine. But, I mean, it sounds like you're a totally different person. Oh, I, I, I was. I mean, to the point where people, a, a few people have said to me, you must be a walk-in. And a walk-in is mm-hmm. when, you know, uh, you know, someone else like takes over. It's like, no, not really. <laughs> but I am a totally changed person. And I think for the better. <laughs> so what are you working on now? Are you channeling anything? You know, I channel is like, Every time I close my eyes, I I can be in a different spot. Um, I I did an interview last weekend with um, Judith Pennington. She's with the Institute for the Awakened Mind. Mm-hmm. I went to a program at Monroe Institute called Discovery. Uh, that was earlier, I think it was February of this year. And in the Discovery program, Gary, they hook you up to EEGs. And then um, that is fed into a program that they call Mind Mirror. So they're checking all your brainwave frequencies. And it translates them into these like beautiful color-coded graphs. So you can see what your alpha's like. Or are you in delta? Is mm-hmm. there any gamma? But what's so interesting is when you have an out-of-body experience, you look at that graph and everything just collapses. Uh, and it actually shows you you're in an out of body state. Hmm. When we were, which I absolutely love wow. because now you have the science mm-hmm. that's actually connected to those extraordinary states of consciousness. Wow. Now, I learned something in that program. When I have these experiences, I actually wasn't calling them out-of-body experiences. Like, I don't know what you call it. I know I'm, you know, I can drop into a vision and I can see myself elsewhere. But for some reason, I I hesitated to call it an out-of-body experience. When we did uh, each exercise, we're at Monroe, so we're listening to headphones with Monroe Sound Science, those binaural beats Mm -hmm. and, you know, added technology on top of that. After each meditation, we would debrief, and Judith was my monitor, and she would say, oh, at three minutes and ten seconds, you dropped into an out-of-body state. And it's like, oh. And that was the first time I actually realized I was having an out-of-body experience. It actually gave me permission to call it that. She also talked about... um we could learn to bookmark these experiences, but she used the word landmark. She said, set a landmark. And Gary, I thought, aha, because this is something my messengers have told me. And this is something that your audience can do too. If you are in an extraordinary state, whether you're meditating or whether you're lucid in your dreams, or you just have this thought and it's so vivid, my messengers say, bookmark it so what you do is you pause and you just freeze frame and you look around where are you who's with you what are you doing how do you feel are you know are you cold do you feel tingles how do you feel emotionally but what you're doing is you are bookmarking this Hmm. so next time but you're also moving to the observer to another observer too Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's why it works. Thank you, Gary. That's exactly <laughs> what you're doing. So what you've done is you, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to incorporate that. But what you've done is you have, you put it, your stamp on there. It's like GPS and you've dropped a pin. You can go back there. So as Judith is saying, you know, at, at three minutes and 10 seconds, you're in and out of body state. It's like, I know exactly what I was doing. So I would go back and set a bookmark 
retroactively. It's like, okay, I know what I was. No, you know, I know exactly what was happening then. And then the next exercise, I waited about a minute and then I went to that bookmark. So when it was time to debrief, Judith says, and at one minute you dropped into an out of body state. And that's when I told her about the bookmark that my messengers have mm-hmm. talked about and her landmarking. But what this did was it gave me a different perspective, just as you have another level of the observer. And we can go back and you think you're making this up, but you're not. Now I have proof because I have that, those beautiful graphs of my EEGs mm-hmm. that show that I did go back into that out-of-body state. Yeah. I know the um, the Dalai Lama also is really interested in that type of research and documenting and proving that it's all happening, that it's all consciousness. It is. It is all consciousness. Let me tell you a short story about when I went one time when I went to the Monroe Institute, they talk about there was a group of um, Buddhist that came, um, Buddhist monks that came and during, and they were very nice and quiet and respectful and you didn't share much. They were, you know, silent a lot. But in the first exercise, they came back downstairs as, you know, people would debrief just chattering. And they said, what happened in that past 30 minute meditation had taken them like years and years to accomplish. So these extraordinary states that you can find yourself in by using things like Monroe sound science are indeed putting you into a different state of consciousness Mm -hmm. that people like the Dalai Lama know a lot about. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people now, a lot of people I interview are combining different techniques like meditation, binaural, psychedelics, um, sensory deprivation. So a lot of people yeah. now are like just, you know, trying different combinations of things, sort of fast tracking what it, it used to take like, you know, three years of sitting in a yeah. monastery to try to get there in, you know, a couple hours. Right. But regardless of how you get there, whether it's prayer, whether it's meditation, whether it's plant-based meditation, or but no matter what it is, when you are in that experience, it changes you. Mm-hmm. And you can bookmark it, and you can go back to it, and you don't have to duplicate the same setting. You may have gotten there through an ayahuasca ceremony. You know what? Two weeks later, go back to it by closing your eyes and just being in a meditative state. You bookmarked it. It's there. You can achieve it again. Because once you are there, it is part of your makeup. And you can you can access it. Hmm. So it's kind of like me bookmarking that moment of desperation. Of absolute, once, like, ugh, I can't do it anymore. But it, it wasn't the desperation. The desperation got you to the thought that was, I give up, I need help. That desperation got so you to the place go. where you opened and you allowed it. And it goes back to that first message I received. It's all about the flow, being that flower of energy where you're grounded to Mother Earth, you're reaching towards source, you're saying, Help me, and you allow that flow to come. Hmm. Wow, I have to work. Wow, it's right. I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, it really is powerful. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Um, so, I want to thank you for taking time to be on. As usual, it's always a lot of fun talking to you, and um, thank you for being a supporter of this podcast. It helps a lot. You're welcome. My pleasure. I I love being on, Gary. (laughs) And um, where can my listeners find you? Easiest way is just to go to my website, Candice, that's C-A-N-D-I-C-E, CandiceSanderson.com. I've got several um, 
you know, platforms on, on social media. But, you know, you can see all of it there. I've got, you know, several books out. You can see that if you're, mm-hmm. if you're interested. Got a couple of YouTube channels. But, um, yeah, CandaceSanderson.com will, is a good starting point. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll put the link to that in the notes of this episode. And it's been great chatting with you. And hang on for a moment, and I'm just going to play the outro. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. You can also buy the book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on film that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon, and it will change your life. Because remember, everything that it says was first imagined. If you loved what you listened to today, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Again, thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable with Gary Cochulio.